know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. It's actually our first show in a week, CJ. So I apologize if I sound a little rusty off the top. Yeah, is this thing on? How does this work again? What are we doing here? I think your screen is okay. I meant more just how we do the show. I mean, come on. I was just thinking, like, it's it's about six months, give or take, since we started this second season of the show. It was about mid-September. Like, how, where does the time go, man? I, I don't know. The fact that you just said that we're doing a second season of the show, I don't know if it's because it's early where I'm at right now, but like that just that just hit me like right now. <laughs> I mean, you're usually Second the guy that knows season. the number. Do you know the number of I know. episode it is? 145. Like that's that's kind of wild to me. I know. It's it's wild. And uh, thank you to everyone who has been with us on this journey as uh, we do episode 145 of the Chris Johnston show. Um oh man, someone gave us a shout out. Uh, the other day, like uh, uh, the Anaheim Ducks video coach, and I really feel bad that I forgot their name, but uh, had to plug that because that was really cool. It's always cool when that happens. Yeah. Well, because we've said this, but like sometimes, you know, if right now I'm in a hotel room in Florida alone. Like you, you forget that it just feels like I'm talking to my buddies, you and Nick. Uh, and sometimes you forget there's actually an audience and people out there that that watch or listen and engage. So, yeah, it's it's kind of surreal, the whole thing. It absolutely is. Um, CJ is coming at us from Florida, the site of uh, this week's NHL GM meetings. But uh, we have to start with uh, at least one GM who will not be taking part in uh, those meetings. Uh, they may be in Florida because they want to take a break, but we'll never know. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, uh, the now former GM of the Philadelphia Flyers, is out. Uh, Danny Briere uh, in uh, currently as the GM, I believe on interim basis, unless they don't have the tag on it. But uh, Chuck Fletcher is gone. He is. I mean, what a strange experience this must be for Danny Brer. Um, you know, for those that aren't familiar, th there are a series of GM meetings throughout the year, but this one in March is the big one. Uh, it takes place over three days. There's, you know, this is where they, they beat around concepts. They look at plays, the potential rule changes. And so Danny Breer, as of Thursday, was working in a more junior position in the Flyers front office, obviously had a long playing career and has, has now spent a couple of years working his way up through the management ranks. Friday, he's named the interim GM of the, the Flyers. And here on Monday, he'll be in Florida participating with all his peers, you know, many of whom I suppose he would know because hockey is a small world, but, you know, not, not where he's been an equal, say, on, on the GM footing. Uh, so that's that's a pretty crazy turn of events just the timing wise with with this meeting um you know as for the flyers i think that the writing in some ways was on on the wall for for chuck fletcher you know he was brought in what three and a half years ago and at the i at the time and, and this is actually one thing i'll say we might have all been wrong but i think it was it was a pretty prevailing industry thought that the flyers had stockpiled all these great young players that were going to form the nucleus of of a winning team of, of, a, of an organization and, and you know a lot of that um, you know, a lot of that was put in place by Ron Hextall, Chuck Fletcher's successor in Philadelphia. As it's turned out, a lot of those players maybe haven't become quite as impactful as we've thought. Uh, but but Chuck was hired at that time to help push the the organization forward, to to be aggressive and not have it be in kind of a building through the draft mode. Uh, you know, he made some big trades that didn't work out. Unfortunate injury situations have come along. You know, Sean Couturier's barely played the last two seasons. We traded for Ryan Ellis. He's he's basically been unavailable since since that deal with Nashville went down. Um, there's a, there's a number of things that have gone on here that the Kevin Hayes signing hasn't really panned out or made the difference that that they would have hoped. And so, you know, here we are where the Flyers, frankly, are just not a good enough team. And the mandate Chuck Fletcher has, he wasn't able to deliver on. And, and so, you know, some of it certainly is his fault. I mean, he made he made a lot of those decisions and they didn't pan out. I mean, that's the game when you're a GM you're going to be judged on your big decisions. Um, but I also do think that, that perhaps we've overvalued or overthought where the Flyers were headed four years ago 
you know, at the time when Ron Hextall departed that, that, you know, everyone seemed to think they had this blue line, right? All these, these players they drafted, it looked like that were going to become studs and, and just it really has not panned out that way. If you, if you look at that team, I mean, there's, there's some good players on that team, um, but they, they've got a long way to go. And now with Danny Breer there, they're talking about a rebuild, which is something the Flyers as an organization have, you know, typically tried to avoid. Yeah, it's a bit tough to kind of look back on the Chuck Fletcher era and think of uh, Rasmus Ristolainen and 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 him being there in the contract he signed. A lot of people will cringe at Cam York uh, getting drafted ahead of Cole Caulfield, for example. There's a list of stuff that I'm sure a lot of people in Philadelphia would cringe at when you look back at the Chuck Fletcher tenure. Not to not to dump on him. I'm sure there are other good moves that uh, have taken place but uh yeah it just kind of felt as if like they it looked as if there was some promise there you can look back in time and you'll find people who really like the idea of chuck fletcher being gm it just didn't pan out it didn't and look this is not to make an excuse for him but they wanted the team to win and so i think he reacted and and managed that way that was literally the mandate he was given i'm not sure they were ready to win you know what i mean and and so the Flyers have always been an organization. You go back 10 or 15 years, it signs the big free agent that makes the big trade, never afraid to give out the big contract or to buy it out in the case of Ilya Brzezgalov, who both got the big contract and was bought out of it. I think he's getting paid till about 2038. Uh, that's not exact, but it's something like that. It's a crazy amount of years that, that they bought out that deal for. I mean, the Flyers have, have made big moves, right? They, they've wanted to be a mover and shaker in that way. Um, and, I, and I think maybe roster building has changed to some degree. I mean, the odd team like the Rangers have actually done it pretty quickly um, with, with maybe some luck, but also a series of, of good, good decisions. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be interesting now to see them actually rebuild a little bit and, and do what they've been resistant to do for so long. Uh, I think that it, it will set them up, if done properly, for a longer run of success that they want. And, you know, there's going to be a search here done, but I, I would think Danny Breer, unless something surprising happens, will ultimately have the interim tag removed and will be the general manager of the team. They're also going to hire a team president. Chuck Fletcher performed both roles in the, in the previous administration, and I think there's a recognition that there needs to be uh, two people doing that, which is, you know, what a lot of the, the bigger front offices, top teams, you know, most of them, you know, have a Brendan Shanahan, for example, as president, and Kyle Dubas as general manager. Or, you know, John Davidson in Columbus as the president, Yarmo Kekalainen as her GM. I mean, that's that's become more the, the common model. You got Bob Nicholson in Edmonton, Ken Holland, you know, that kind of thing. And so you, you'll, there'll be another hiring, I would think, in addition to Breer, again, unless there's some surprise here. Um, a lot of people speak highly of Breer. I mean, I, I knew him a little bit as a player, certainly covered him in, in his time in the league. And, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about him since he's moved into the front office. Very smart guy has been on this track for a long time. And, you know, sometimes you, you got to get thrown off the dock to see if you're ready to swim. And I think that that's kind of the situation he finds himself in because most GMs, when you get hired, right, it's not because the team's in a good spot, right? Usually when you're being brought into a situation, in most cases, it's because something has gone wrong or the program's gone off the rails. And, and that's, that's where Philadelphia is right now. And uh, it's going to be a big job ahead to decide who stays and who goes and, and you know, how long, uh, you know, who gets pulled apart here? Because I, I do think that, that some big, difficult decisions are on the horizon here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, we should mention, though, the, the rise for Danny Breer, a guy who was in the ECHL with the main Mariners and eventually does make his way up into the Flyers organization. And now in the position that he's in right now is the interim GM. It is quite a quite a rise for a guy who it's not that long ago he was playing in the National Hockey League. And if memory serves, a lot of people in Montreal were wondering if he would be next in line uh, to be GM. Obviously, that that job went to Kent Hughes, but there are people who are talking about that. Well, he was the finalist for the job in Montreal. You know, he went right down to the wire there. I know he, he interviewed in Arizona at, at a point for an assistant GM's job. I mean, he's he's been building towards this. And and look, it's it's eight years almost now since, since Danny Breer hung up his skates. He has had a pretty long path relatively speaking to to this spot um you know even that job he had in the echl that's under the the flyers parent company so he's he's been within the flyer system for a long time and and seen how that operation works and and you know i i've been of the thought this is not a this isn't a comment specific to danny brer or really any individual gm but i've thought that more teams should probably be hiring lawyers and, and trying to find 
people like Julian Breezeblock, quite frankly, that, that don't necessarily have the playing background to, to manage their, their, the GM jobs. But in terms of a former player, you know, Danny Breer has done it right. I mean, he's, he's had tons of experience now um, working in front offices and, and, you know, he's, he's earned, he's earned the chance um, to, to, to do this job. And, and, you know, the, the, the conversation is almost one for the side, but I'm just surprised that you don't see more non-traditional hockey people getting these jobs because it seems to me, you know, Julian Breesbaugh is probably the best at what he does. And his, his personal background doesn't include much playing of hockey as a kid, but he, you know, he got a law degree and learned the CBA and came up that way and, and is and become an expert, I think, at, at navigating it uh, and, and building his roster. Um, but in terms of former players, again, I got, don't, don't hear any bad words about Danny Breer, first class guy, um, worked really hard. And, and now this opportunity is in front of him. It's up to him to, to make the most of it. Anything else you want to mention about the Flyers before uh, we get to sports interaction? Not too much. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes for John Tortorella. You know, he's, you know, he's talked about like instilling the right culture there for the Flyers, but is, does he really want to be part of a rebuild if, it, if it's going to be a lengthy one? I mean, it'd be, it's going to be an interesting dynamic around that team. There's, this was the first big decision, obviously, removing Chuck Fletcher and then having Danny Brer, you know, really being an interim GM at this time of the year, there's not too many decisions to be made. Although, look, we're only two months from signing players and qualifying offers. And, you know, the, the offseason is coming quickly here. Um, but I think the big decisions are what does this front office look like? What's the plan? How do they approach the draft? What do they do this offseason? I think there's, there's a lot of more change still to come in the, in the Flyers organization. Okay. Uh, two other things. Uh, 2027, I believe, is when uh, the after the uh, that's when the Flyers actually stop paying Ilya Brzezgalov. At least that's the last year of that deal, uh, or the buyout, I should say. And uh, Sudarshan Maharaj uh, is uh, the video coach uh, who I met uh, from the Anaheim Ducks uh, over the weekend. So uh, just wanted to clear those two things up as uh, we get through the rust of the first show we've done in a week. You're doing great, bud. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Uh, be sure to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all there is to know with regards to betting on sports interaction. Uh, in honor of uh, Steve Dangle's birthday, which was on Sunday, CJ, I have a few of these uh, Dangle doozies uh are you interested in a dangle doozy absolutely just a little baby steve happy birthday just a wee little baby happy birthday steve dangle uh up on the dangles doozy section up at sportsinteraction.com uh former friends to score a goal and leave the leafs and sabers will be playing off against each other uh <laughs> Ilya Lubushkin. Uh, to score a goal, uh, that's at 9.00, no, at 1.03. Uh, but uh, I don't know, I mean, nine for Ilya Lavushkin. Do you take it? Do you think he's gonna score? Is this part of this whole, you know, former player curse type of deal that a lot of these teams like to propagate? It's funny because I see this discussed a lot on Twitter, you know, with amongst Leafs fans, and they think that there's this curse and it's always a former player scoring against them. Like, I'm not sure if former Leafs score against the Leafs any more than former Flames score against the Flames or former Ducks score against the Ducks. But there does seem to be this thought out there. And so I imagine Twitter would explode if Ilya Labushkin scored a goal against Toronto just because, you know, he's a rugged defenseman, doesn't score a lot of goals against any teams. Um, but I'll take it. Why not? I, I root for a little bit of chaos and and everyone seems to to think there's something out there about this. I, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy VC, I remember, scored two this year. Uh, for the Rangers in a game and, you know, made a comment after about kind of getting back at his former team. So maybe there is that element, although I can't imagine Ilya Lubushkin has any bad feelings with the Leafs. I think they, they tried to keep him last offseason after trading for him, but he found greener pastures in Buffalo in a better contract. How about this one? Uh, most points, uh, goals and assists. Uh, Austin Matthews favored over Tage Thompson. Which of these two players uh, do, I mean, what do you, what would you be leaning on between uh, Matthews and Tage Thompson? Oh, that's tough. I mean, Thompson's having the yeah. better season production wise. Um, you know, Austin's got the better track record career wise, obviously um, former Hart trophy winner, two-time rocket winner, but you know, Austin's looked pretty good lately. I'll say that I, I didn't, I haven't seen the Buffalo play as much lately. I know they've been had a couple tough losses as they've been trying to push for a playoff spot, but 
looks to me like Matthews has been heating up the last couple of games. And so I'd probably take the player playing on home ice and give my nod to Austin. All right. Uh, don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Again, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. You know, the SDPN, every now and again, we have some of those open roles, so hey, Maybe uh, be on the lookout for that whenever those tend to arise. Uh, and LinkedIn would be a good place to potentially seek out some of those jobs. Know what I'm saying? LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and uh, also their 875 member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates identify the most qualified candidates on linkedin jobs and connect them fast and free uh, linkedin jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform i'm telling you again we're just with the fact that the stpn could be growing but also just with the team i have here that we have here at the cj show we're all about achieving goals and all about achieving success in 2023 and having the right team members is essential for us to do that that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Johnston. That's linkedin.com slash Johnston to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so we've run through Chuck Fletcher. We've run through Sports Interaction. Florida, GM Meetings. What can we expect from this upcoming week, Siege? I'm just going to come out and say it. I have no idea. I've got no <laughs> clue. Uh, and it's a funny experience. Like, oh, when, you no. when you cover these meetings, well, I mean, first of all, when you cover these meetings, like, they, there's sort of this awkwardness, like, where I think they don't want us there or, like, they tolerate us. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, no one's rude. But you, it's just, it's a little uncomfortable. Like you're just kind of lurking around the hotel, uh, trying to stop people, ask them what's up, obviously uh, texting them and all that. But like, they don't really give us an agenda. And so what, what gets discussed? I mean, we only find out if someone comes out and talks about it. And so as we head into the meetings, they start today on Monday and, and run through Wednesday, you know, I, I can tell you some of the things they're going to talk about, but I don't know if there's going to be an action point. I don't know if we're going to see a rule change. You know, I think there'll be some discussion, for example, about, you know, the players that were scratched for trade related reasons that went on for two plus weeks. You know, it's not to say there'll be a change there, but I think there'll, there'll maybe be a discussion about that. Does something need to, is, does there need to be a rule or was this a one-off kind of season where things were happening? I think there might be some discussion with the mechanics of how the trade calls work. Um, because there was some complicated deals with th a third team involved. There's obviously some rule-related issues that'll come up, but you know I can't tell you if there's going to be a rule change or or what's going to happen because I'm you know we're we're kept a little bit in the dark at these meetings, and you know, it's kind of funny how it goes that way. Um, but I mean, look at I'm I'm certainly not complaining. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, it's pretty relaxed too, right? We get to this side of the trade deadline. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on the general managers let's call it as it is in those those weeks and months leading into to what was march 3rd this year you know on this side they're still pressured a lot of them there are going to you know trying to have their team win the stanley cup but there's very little they can do at this point uh to affect that i mean that the teams are kind of set as they are um and so it'll be a relaxed gathering they'll they'll kick around some rules i mean i've been here in years past where sometimes they did what they call breakout groups where they, you know, break the room, say, into groups of three or four, and they they even, like, propose kind of what you might call off-the-wall ideas and debate, you know, should they be looking at massive changes somewhere down the line. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. have to see what materializes, but I, I can't come into this telling you for sure what's going to happen because if I'm being candid, my man, I've got no clue what's, what's going to go on behind those doors. And unfortunately, I don't get to go behind the doors. I just got to hang around like a, a lurker in the hallway. Okay, I have a couple of questions that – 
sort of have nothing to do with what could be discussed this week. So allow me if I may. I wonder, in the history of the GM meetings, what was the first year where reporters decided this was an event worth covering, worth flying down to Florida or wherever they might have been years earlier uh, and said, okay, we're going to turn this into a journalistic thing where we're going to hang around and try to see what we can get from GMs. It predates my time as a reporter. Like I've, I've been doing this for at least 15 years, I'd say. Uh, and, and if the precedent was set before that time, so it's been a long time and look, it's, I'm not dismissing, like this is a newsworthy event in the sense that it's a three-day meeting of all the league's GMs. Obviously, senior league staff is here. There is the ability to recommend rule changes that then have to be approved by, you know, potentially the, the competition committee or the board of governors. But this is this is where rule changes, this is kind of the genesis of where they happen. Um, and so, look, there might end up being news here in these few days. I mean, certainly I would expect Gary Bettman will speak at some point. Perhaps he'll have news on something related to the GM's meetings themselves or the Ottawa Senators sale, the, the Hockey Canada investigation. You know, it's, it's, it's still worth being here. Um, it, but it's just not always, it's not like you don't get a full menu before you arrive of like, okay, we're going to discuss this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Like you, you just kind of have to come and, and see what you get. And, you know, it's the same for the Board of Governors meeting in December. I mean, in that one, every once in a while you come here expecting there was a year I, I wish I could remember the date off the top of my head, but six, seven years ago, I, I came down to that meeting not knowing what was going to happen, not expecting much. And they came out on the very first day and they said, we're going to take a team to Las Vegas as long as they get X number of season ticket deposits or whatever. And they laid out the whole thing. And, and it, at that time, there was no whisper that that was coming. And so, you know, you can get surprised at these meetings. And I think that's typically why a group of us cover them every year, just in case, because you, you don't know what you're going to get. Um but yeah, it's 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 a weird exercise. I mean, when you when you go to a game to cover it, as, as you do a lot, and, and I've done a lot in my career. Obviously, we don't know everything that happens, but you generally see what you're writing about or talking about afterwards. You're watching the game, you watch how the lines roll, you, you see the matchups, you see the controversial plays or the great goals, what have you, and and that's what you discuss. Here, you're, you're operating half blind, and you're relying on what people tell you about what happened. And you know, like anything. Two people in the same room in part of the same large conversation might come away with it with different interpretations of what was said or what happened or what will go on. And so it's it's uh, it's kind of an unusual one. Um, but I mean, if somebody has to come down to Palm Beach here and, and do the tough work in, in the hotel hallways. So I'm just I'm just a oh. loyal servant. Oh, God, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> the second question I have. Uh, you mentioned breakout rooms. Seemed like the NHL got ahead of Zoom on that one. Uh, I'm just trying to picture in my head, like, how would that work in terms of? And this is obviously going to be a lot harder for you to answer, so I don't expect for you to give you like a like a real serious one, unless you do. But like, when it comes time for these GMs to discuss these different, uh, either pot- the potential for rule change or something else that requires them to split in all of these different groups, I would love to know how they go about organizing those groups. Do they, are there GMs that just don't, like that just don't rock with each other to the point where you have to separate them? But also, does that even a thing? Because you might want to make a deal with these guys. Like, I would love to know how uh, the breakout rooms work. I would think on some level, there's like a seniority basis. Like you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want David Poyle and Lou Lamorello and Ken Holland say, necessarily in the same group because those are very experienced general managers when you think about they have a certain perspective on even these meetings because you know in david poyle's case this is actually his last big gm's meeting he's, he's stepping aside as a predators gm as of july 1st but he's been part of 30 plus years of these so he he's familiar with what's been discussed you know how they've got to where they've got to with the rule book he's he's seen that evolve over his career and so i, I would think that you would they would start by splitting up the more experienced gms um Again, not because they can't hang out together, but I think that there's value to having each of them part of each group. But I don't, I don't know how it goes. Again, it's a bit of a secretive process, all of this. Um, you know, and I, I don't entirely know why that is. I mean, I think they do their best, to be honest. Like, there's been years, like when, when they were doing the head checking rules, they, they brought in Rule 48. I don't know if that was 10 years ago now. I do remember they actually brought us into the room where the GMs met and they showed us the video, they showed the GMs. Like, they, they really do try to, when it's a big serious issue that they're discussing or a major change, 
they, they do their best to educate the, the reporters on, on why, how they got to where they got to. But then I think the years where there's maybe not a pressing issue to the same degree, that's when they've gone more outside the box. And then I think they're more reluctant to discuss that because in some cases, I remember there was one year, I, I can't remember the exact way they framed it, but it was more like, what might hockey look like in 15 years? Like, look into the future. Like, what? And, and it was more of a thought exercise. It wasn't an actionable item issue, right? I think it's like, what happens if you get rid of the blue line? What happens if we, you know, have a shot clock of some sort? Or, or you know, it, it's, it, you know, this is, this is the meeting where, for example, three-on-three overtime gets, you know, really born. Like, like at some point, they made the decision, hey, we're going to go to three-on-three overtime. Um, and so, you know, the, some of that obviously is just, throwing ideas at a wall and seeing what sticks. And, and, and you know, that, that's why, you know, I, I go into this meeting saying, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe by Wednesday, we're like, wow, that's a big change that, that's coming out of this. Or maybe you'll say CJ uh, was lucky to spend three days in Florida on his boss's dime and didn't really uh, accomplish too much. We'll, we'll have to see how that hey, works out. Hey, 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 I'm not trying to get you in trouble, CJ, well, with that last one. Jeez. I can't make the news. I can't make the news, right? The news either happens and I can react to it. If nothing happens, then I can tell you on our Thursday show, nothing really happened. At the very, yeah, but like, you know, let, let, let's, let's not say, hey, you, you, you went on your boss's diet. Let's, it's a trip <laughs> to Florida. Don't, don't block your blessings, CJ. Um, no, well, look, at, I, I had a nice run yeah. this morning. The sun was coming up. I was yeah. like, I'm lucky to be here. Like this, even if this is a kind of a weird assignment, I'm embracing it because I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm still stuck on on all those GMs being split. I'm thinking of one thing I, I wish I would have, if I knew these things were a thing. You remember those, uh, I saw a lot more of these in the pandemic where uh, they would put together like these like lunchroom tables and then they'd have, I don't know, like a different right. theme, but like different people at those tables. Like which table would you want to be at? Would you want to be at a table with, oh, I don't know, David Poyle, Kent Hughes, Tom Fitzgerald, I'm trying to think of another Danny Briere. We can throw him in there. Would you rather be at a table with Kyle Dubas, Lou Lamorello, uh, Pat Verbeek, Brad Living? Yeah. Like just kind of uh, just assemble all these different tables and, and with Don Sweeney at another table, you, you get what I'm getting at here. Like if, if I knew that that was the thing we were going to discuss, I would have at least gotten you to pick a, one of those tables. That's good. I remember you're jogging my memory here. We're actually just three years exactly since the NHL paused. Like, talk about how weird that was. Well, yep. not all professional sports, not just the NHL, but that it's wild. It's been it's three crazy years. But they used to do that with like quarantine houses too, right? Like, who would you want to quarantine with if you had to? Like, this celebrity yep. and this random person. Um, I don't know whose lunch table I'd want to sit at, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, let's be honest. Most of the GMs are great. I, I, should, be, I should be clear. I mean, they, they treat us with respect and you know, there, there are occasions at these meetings where you might even have a social drink with someone or a coffee off to the side. So, you know, I think that there's, there's mutual respect there, but uh, there's also, it's not as fiery as it once was like way back when, remember Brian Burke publicly challenged Kevin Lowe to a barn fight when they were both GMs. Like imagine coming to the next GMs meeting after that, like that, there must've been at least a whiff of some tension or awkwardness or whatever. And I know that those two actually made up after that like it's not like it's a still going on feud but at the time it was a pretty hot story and you know but it's there's a there doesn't seem to be quite that level of open animosity i'll call it between colleagues at, at this stage of the gm cycle well i mean look look they call it gm meetings for a reason you know what i'm saying it's just sophisticated of course okay last thing and then we'll get to ask cj let's say uh you are given the opportunity to go into that room and sit in all those meetings you're a gm or just you're just cj but you have the power to advocate for some kind of change it could be a rule change it could be cba change Ooh. it could be salary cap anything what would you change what would you advocate to change putting you on the spot here i mean the easy the, honestly the first thing that jumps to mind is the playoff format um oh i thought you're offside review no, it's always bugged me, the playoff format, like this divisional one. I know that it wouldn't necessarily make a huge difference in this specific year, but I still think one to eight is just a more fair way to do it. We've, we've kicked this around why it hasn't happened, why it might happen. We'll see if it ends up going somewhere. But that, that's the one that jumps to my mind, but I haven't thought deeply on it. Like, 
maybe something more salary cap related would be interesting to, you know, but we also just came to this awesome trade deadline period and it was a, a year where no teams had money, right? Like they found a way to do business. So I can't say that the only reason we see no trades some years or no exciting trades is, is the salary cap because we got a hard salary cap. We had all kinds of teams squeezed this year, and yet we saw 13 first-round picks trades <laughs> change hands in, in six weeks. And we saw a lot of teams take big swings. Um, you know, Anything to encourage that kind of movement, any change, I'd like to see. But I don't, I, don't have the, I don't have the magic bullet here in my hand or in my mind about what would get that done. So in lieu of that, I'll say just back to one day conference playoff format and if i think of something more exciting i'll let you know okay all right so we've gone what through, about you uh, oh well, I, it's offside review for me easily that i'm going in there uh and i'm sitting down and i'm folding my arms kind of like what i'm doing right now uh just painting a picture for those listening on audio and i'm saying we're fixing the damn offside review i'm tired of living in a world where you can enter a zone, have play go on for however many seconds, and you score a goal, but some coach somewhere is like, up, 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 offside 30 seconds ago. I think it's one of the most infuriating rules uh, or, or things that could happen in the sport of hockey. It just doesn't make sense. At the very least, if you're going to do an offside review, because I do understand, fine, you need some kind of review. Like, I don't know if there's a way to put like a, like a time limit on it right like if 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 it happens there is like, you can just say whatever time but like it's arbitrary right yeah but like the, the it shouldn't be arbitrary like make it fixed but if you do it as 10 seconds just the name of time and then yes. a goal goes in 11 seconds after like should that i don't know no do that so sad it wasn't the 10 in seconds. my opinion offside review is a massive overreaction we had a couple goals way back when there was one matt duchene scored where he was literally like 10 feet offside but we will never forget that, that but right but somehow that got missed but like that never happens like like it's happened obviously it happened in that one case but it's not like there was this epidemic of like way way offside plays that were getting by and then in real in reaction to that they create offside review but now we're like doing the ones down to the hair and it's like it's so offside the human eye couldn't even catch it like it's not like the linesman even made a mistake and no one on the ice stops playing because everyone thinks it's onside and then it gets called back. Like, that's the one that bugs me. Like, this is almost like a, a philosophical question, but it's like, if the play is so close that the human eye can't detect it, is it really offside? I don't know. But at that well, point, if, if we're at a point, but, but right, right. But like, if, but then that opens the, another door being like, well, if we're going to be at a point where we have to review it, I always think of it like this. Like, review is good. And I get people complain about how long it takes for certain things and stuff, but like, Game seven is down like a final. Something like that happens and it doesn't get called. What are we going to do? Oh, they got to apply the rule. Oh, they got to do the review. But at the same time, like, like the offside review is just, you're right. Like, it, it's a bit of an overreaction. Just I, not I would to be, be that guy, but do your job, it. refs. No, but I would also yeah. find them scrapping it. And then you got to live with the odd one that gets missed. But maybe in today's day and age, we can't do that. I don't know. But no, I do feel cause... like they're, they're, I do feel like it's like a weird... There's not a clear, obvious answer here for offside review. No, there isn't. But to answer your question, that is what I would go in and 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 push for. That is the number one. It's been on my mind for, for years. Uh, I would push for that to be changed. Anyway, um, let's get to some questions. Uh, as it is Monday, ask CJ. It's still wild. We didn't do a Thursday show, and we did a whole bunch of fun questions last week. Uh, and we're going to get back to... Uh, the more serious, oh, okay. as serious as they could get. I I'm wearing a sport jacket today. I guess I got to be serious, be professional. I love, I love this ensemble. By the way, uh, this is not the first time you've worn that jacket. I'm trying to think if it's the first time I've seen you with that particular dark blue shirt underneath. But that is a very, very nice uh, ensemble. It's a good. I really. It's a good Florida look. I think like it's a good like warm weather sort of dressy, but not. I'm not wearing like a tux kind of thing. What are your, like, when you get, like, suits from, when you get suits from work, like, what are your general colors that you're feeling? Well, to this be honest. Ask CJ question. <laughs> to be honest, um, when I got suits, especially I worked at Sportsnet, was the first TV job. I There's a great woman there named Deb, who's the stylist. I just let Deb pretty much do everything. Uh, obviously, I stand there and get measured. 
but you know, she would pick out the the ties and the suits and like, that was her job. I, I don't, I don't profess to have any real style. Um, and so for the most part, I've just leaned on the professionals that the industry has, if I'm being totally honest, but I, I, I like blue, blue. I just feel I got a lot of variations of blue in, in my closet. I feel like it's kind of classic. You know, I, I was never one to go, you know, my buddy, Sean McKenzie at Sportsnet, he'll, he'll, he'll have a, no a suit in every color. He's got a purple suit. He's like, he, he's far more sort of stylish and, and has pulls that off. I, I'm more traditional, I would say in my dress. Okay. So blue, gray, black, well, not really black. Yeah. Black. I have one green suit that I like. I don't wear yeah. it a whole lot, but like, cause I feel like you can't wear it every, you know, that's, you got to go to that every once in a while, but it's nice That's to mix fair. it up. I'm not wearing suits as much these days. Like back in the old days, I was going to every Leafs game when I worked the sports side and I had to have a suit on every day to do TV hits. Now it's more of a couple days a week thing. And just for sometimes just for a period of time, like not the whole day. So I'm trying to figure out because I've seen you uh, and I will get to the questions. I promise. And this is the last <laughs> thing. So you have the suits. When we've hung out, you know, I, I see some of the hoodies sometime, but like, what's the in-between like? Like, I know when I go to games, I don't have to be on TV or anything. I mean, not that that happens all the time anyway, but like sweater, but like, like polo, not pullover sweater, but like grandpa, like, you know, crew neck sort of, or just a sweater uh, uh, or, or turtleneck. I'm getting really big into turtlenecks now. Like what, what is what are you wearing in between a suit and, and the hoodie and hat you'll wear on this show? Well, I, I, if I go to a game, I'm always in a suit. So, so you're always in a suit. Okay, fine. At, at a game, like, like working. I'm pretty casual, though, other than that. Like, I'm not going out, you know, I'm not going out clubbing or anything these days. So I don't know. Like, I just, I, I wear, like, really relaxed fit stuff outside of work you know what i mean but then it's it's a suit at work so a lot of the things you've seen me wear on this this show man like button-up shirts wow. got a couple pullovers but yeah. nothing nothing too fancy man like i honestly i'm a pretty quiet guy these days it's just just work and chill so it's there isn't really an in-between if you know what i'm saying man i you're just screaming for a makeover is that what you're saying no i'm kidding <laughs> no no you don't need a makeover you you look great as it is Anyway, thanks, bud. All right, let's get to these questions before we make CJ blush. Uh, let's get to a question from Sam. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people feel the way Sam is feeling. What's going on with Austin Matthews this season? He doesn't seem to be himself. This is a, this is a really hot topic in Toronto that I see a lot of discussion about. You know, my view actually is that Austin's having a great all-around season. Uh, but but clearly the numbers speak for themselves. He just hit 30 goals over the weekend. You know we saw him score 60 last year. Um, you know there there have been periods. I know this season he wasn't as healthy as he'd like, and he did have to miss you know some time from the lineup. But I think quite honestly his focus is on. I, I don't think he has any concern for individual achievement at this point in time. I think it's all about trying to do what's best for the team. He's one of the league leaders in shot blocks of all things. Um, and defensively, his, his metrics are extremely strong. And so I, I think a lot of good things are happening on the, when he's on the ice for the Leafs, but he, he hasn't been such a maybe a goal hound, you know, someone whose sole focus is to go out there and score the way we've seen in, in years gone by. And so I, I don't know that it's something wrong. I, I just think there's maybe some evolution in his game, maybe some health and poor luck have seen the numbers decline a little bit. Um, but I, I do know this much. The only thing that matters to him at this stage in time he's won the hard trophies won the, the goal scoring title a couple times is is you know having playoff success as a team and you know ultimately look when, when it comes down to it I, I think that you know whether it's Austin Matthews Mitch Marner John Tavares William Nylander like the Leafs top players have to win them a playoff series at some point in time you know that that hasn't happened um, I think you know if, if you're looking for one thread to run through all these years where the Leafs have fallen short, all sorts of different circumstances have played out, of course, naturally, but you get to those winner take all games and, and the Leafs haven't had a breakthrough performance from their stars. You know, you watch them play a game this weekend against Edmonton. They, they get behind in that game. Marner makes a couple of ridiculous individual plays. You know, Matthew sets up Tavares for a goal. Nylander scores a goal. Like, like they, all of those guys 
did what they're supposed to do. And Toronto pulls a, a game they, they could have lost and, and win 7-4 against the Oilers. You need that to happen when it really matters at some point in time. So all that to say is I don't think anything's wrong with Austin. Uh, I, I think that he's actually played quite well this year. But when push comes to shove, when the cards are down, when the Leafs are playing the Lightning and they get into a tight game, you know, someone has to make a big play. And, you know, you have Matthews and Marner at the top of the list for, for the Leafs that need to, to do that to make a difference-making play. And uh, we'll see if he can come up with it this spring. Tune in next month to see if uh, Austin Matthews being more of an all-around player was worth it. Next question from DDR. Who do you think of all the teams competing for the wild card has the best chance of upsetting Boston, which, uh, by the way, has already clinked the playoff spot? I know, 50 wins in 64 games. I mean, what a, what a season the Bruins are having. It's crazy. When I, when I think of this question, I think of, okay, what, what could play out to see a team like Boston have this amazing year, barely lose, you know, four games in any given month, and someone's got to beat them four times in a two-week period to, to eliminate them from the playoffs. The only thing I can really see happening is if they get goalied, um, you know, just go through a tough stretch. Maybe their power plays off. The, the opposing goaltender is great. And then, so I look at those grouping of teams that they could potentially play as a wild card. And, and the one I'd pick then is the Islanders, because I do think yep. the Islanders play a playoff style game. You know, we've seen them go on a couple long runs in previous years. And Ilya Sorokin is probably the best potential goaltender that they could face in the first round among the teams that they, they're, they're potentially lining up against. And so the Islanders would be my, my answer to that. I, but let's face it. I mean, the Bruins are going to be heavily favored no matter who they draw, including if it's the Islanders, but that's, that's a team I think that maybe could, could somehow take a, a bite out of what the, the Bruins are, are looking to do this spring. Ilias Rorkin, by the way, uh, 235 goals against average, uh, save percentage at 926 and tied for the league lead in shutouts. Like not just a guy who's just kind of hot, like borderline Vesna cannon. It's crazy. I'd love to know what happened in Russia with all this, these elite goaltenders coming through. You know, like there was a period in time. I mean, it used to be French Canadian goaltenders. There, there was just a pipeline into the NHL. Then there was a bunch of Swedish goaltenders at the top. And now it just seems like for whatever reason, I don't know if there's a, a common thread in terms of how they've been teaching goaltenders in that country, but to see Vasilevsky and Shesterkin and Sorokin all come and become, you know, some of the best goalies in the league. I mean, that's, it's not, Maybe it's a coincidence, but it almost feels like maybe there, there's something more there, but I don't know the answer. Yeah, me neither. Next one from David. When are you going to be on the – sorry, let me repeat that again. When are you going to be a guest on the Steve Dangle podcast? You, you know, like the good old days. Well, I haven't been asked. I've never said no to the Steve Dangle podcast. So Ooh, never been you asked. Know, invitation – no, I, I mean, I've been asked, but I haven't been asked in months. So I, the only reason I haven't been there is because they haven't – they haven't knocked on the door and said, CJ, come on over. But we know I'll be there whenever the Leaf season ends because that's become a tradition, you know, after the after sort of the season-ending press conference, I usually go on and debrief with the guys. So, you know, that could be obviously at the end of April or it could be in the middle of June, you know, debriefing on the Stanley Cup parade. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen this spring, but certainly I'll be on then. And if they want me on before, Adam, Steve, and Jesse have my number and I'm always happy to do their show. I'm just thinking a live SDP show from the Stanley Cup parade in Toronto would be very chaotic. Very. Oh, chaotic. man. I was at the Raptors parade when they won in 2019. Yeah. That was, that was crazy. So I can't even imagine what would happen if the Leafs won a Stanley Cup. Like, I think 2 million people, I think, was the estimate at the time. But it was bananas. The parade took like 12 hours. It took forever because like the streets were so crowded. The floats went so slow. Um, anyway, this, this might be a dream for, for people in Toronto, but yeah, it would be crazy. Yeah. There's the, there's a definitely a couple people who are listening to this right now who are treating this like the equivalent of you saying the J word. Really? I think so. I think that the people, I'm just saying weird like that where if you start, no, oh no, you're, you're good. I, I have no issue with you doing that because I think curses and jinxes and stuff like that are very silly, but there are some people including maybe the producer of the show, who might not be all that happy that you mentioned the potential of the Stanley Cup parade. Well, let me be clear. The playoffs start on April 17th, five weeks today. Believe it or not, Stanley Cup playoffs start five weeks today. The first round is going to take roughly two weeks. So the Leaf season could end on or about April 30th 
or it could be two weeks after that in the second round, on or about May 15th, or it could be two weeks after that, the end of the conference final, on or about May 31st, or they could be celebrating a Stanley Cup or losing in the Stanley Cup final on or about June 15th. That was the only thought. I was just, someone is saying, when are you going to appear next on the SDP? We know the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. So their season is going to end, <laughs> end of April, middle of May, end of May, middle of June. It's going to end one of those times and I'll go on the SDP. That's, that's my answer. I, I don't control what happens on the ice. Producer Nick, uh, just I'm just going to mention it. He just wrote this in our big group chat. CJ had to effing mention the Stanley Cup parade, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the heads up before you see the message for yourself. Well, that's because I'm actually filming today on my phone, so I'm not getting any messages. So I didn't I didn't realize that I had angered Nick. Good call. Good call. Good call. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> Hey, look, it might happen. It might happen. And and I again I'll, it wasn't I'll a prediction. Honest. I would like to see it for myself. It'd be fun. It wasn't a prediction. It was merely stating the possible times that I'll be back on the SDPN. <laughs> oh God. Oh God, you did curse the team. Um, but I'm sure you gave Nick a lot of uh title ideas for the podcast between the Austin Matthews talk and uh the fact that you may or may not have jinxed the Leafs already, which you didn't. <laughs> But someone might think that. Uh, are you ready for the next question from uh, about uh, Eric Carlson? Yeah, I'm ready. I mean, throw whatever now. Like this, this show's right off the rails. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you got. Red Shark Pack is Eric Carlson the favorite for the Doris, uh, or does being on a bad Sharks team hurt his chances? It certainly hurts his chances somewhat. Um, and you know, he's been on the ice for a lot of goals against too. You know, someone might point to that because the, the Norris Trophy is for the best defenseman with the best all-around abilities at the position. But I would say he's got to be still among the favorites. Uh, you know, I haven't dug into this in a meaningful way yet. No, we're going to have to, man. Ballot's got to be in five weeks today. So uh, oh, some decisions crap, are going to have to be made. Um, but I, I, I would say for sure he's – I mean, the guy's probably going to have 100 points, which hasn't happened in a long time for some of that position. It's hard to ignore – how great his year is, how much of his offense has come at five on five, I think is a big bonus to him too. It's not as though this has been a year where the Sharks have the ridiculous power play and he's just getting second assists from, you know, firing the puck around, but you know, you have to consider all aspects of the position and um, yeah, but I, I would say he's among the favorites. I'm not sure if I'll say he's the singular favorite at this time. Uh, last one from Leafs 94 in honor of his departure from Toronto, would you rather fight? 100 Pierre Engvall sized giraffes or one giraffe sized Pierre Engvall? I guess one giraffe. I'd, I'd rather go against one on one than one versus 100. I feel like. I mean, it's a giraffe. I don't want to fight anybody. I Dines. mean, this is. We've been through this. Yes. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fighter, but I would just go one on one. I, I feel like I could outrun one versus outrunning 100. So my, my way of fighting would be turning around and running as fast in the other direction as possible and hoping I can get away. You have the stamina and, and endurance to run, in all fairness. I know, but I, I don't know how fast a giraffe moves. <laughs> probably faster yeah, than me. How, uh, we could probably look that up and, and see for ourselves. Anyway, uh, I think that's it for uh, this week's edition of uh, Ask CJ. I think I've gotten you in more than enough trouble apparently sorry jinx jinx, <laughs> jinx. i don't jinx even know what i'm stupid. jinxing they don't exist you didn't jinx anything i'm just messing around there you know, Look, how, I, you know get it. I don't use the j i don't use are. the j word anymore because that did sort of take on a life of its own and like that then it seems like i'm trying to be jinxy like when i answered that question if you go back and look at my words i was not trying to say what's going to happen i was just saying that's the time frame on when I'm going to appear again. I love the fact that you are doing everything you can to defend your your reasoning for something that is completely <laughs> innocent and harmless. <laughs> and because uh, one person, one person felt away, it has it's an evolved important into this. Very important person, mind you. Producer there was a question I was good. going to pull out. There was a there was a question I was going to pull out uh, that was asked, I think, on Discord that. I guess probably invokes producer Nick in a way, but I don't know 
if it would have been something you would have wanted to i mean i don't really know but like it, it was a, it was a bar down question i don't know if you would have been down to answer that question Ah, screw it. I, I mentioned I've it always anyway. told you let me I'll ask any question. I'll answer any question. I, some, sometimes I don't ah, have the answer, let me, but I'll tell you when I don't have the answer. Let me find that question. Okay, so this was from a couple of days ago. Uh, I believe from Hans, or at least the guy on, on Discord, or the person on Discord who's, who spells Hans backwards. They had a few questions for the Saturday show, or at least for the Monday show. Uh, and one of them was, have you guys met the Bar Down crew? If so, what are they like in person? And the only person I've ever met from Bar Down in person is producer Nick. He's he's a really good dude. I can't even make a joke yes. about that. I've met Jesse a couple times. I mean, they're, they're all great. And I think their stuff's hilarious. Um, I think they do an awesome job. Like when Jesse went and did the Winnipeg Jets skills competition, like that, that was yeah. crazy. Like I... I can't even imagine. Like, I'm good at having a laugh at myself, as anyone who listens to this show knows, as anyone. But I would not put on skates and go do all that stuff. Like, good for him. I think those guys do awesome work, Corbin. So I, I like I like their work. I don't know them that well personally, but we've crossed over at the Hockey Hall of Fame in various events, said hello. So, yeah, awesome. And producer Nick's a great guy. So would you do the one of the bar quizzes? Down you should do one of their quizzes. I, do I've quiz. never done one. You should, you should, you should do one. I don't know. Talk to uh, isn't it uh, uh, David Crixt, my man DK? Isn't that who who's running bar down? I believe Talk so. Talk to him. Talk to him. I'm, I got enough going on. If if he if he wants me, I'll do it. But I'm not going to seek it out. Also, uh, shout out DZ, uh, who is uh, great as well uh, with bar down. Uh, we got to mention him too. Okay, I think that's everything now for this week's edition of Ask CJ, which means that's it for uh, the Monday edition of the Chris Johnston Show. Clearly, we, we have shed off any rust uh, that was apparent throughout the show, and uh, it's going to be nothing but smooth sailing from here until the Stanley Cup Finals and the draft and beyond. We did it, CJ. Thank you, Thank you for giving episodes. me last Thursday off, bud. I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I think the internet had more to do that, more to do with that than anything else. I but, know, uh, but a little downtime's good. So now, <laughs> now we are charging full steam ahead through the Stanley Cup playoffs, through the draft, through free agency, through the trades that happen, and then we'll take a break again at some point in July. All right, uh, Johnston Canyonites, uh, get on the train because it is not stopping. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll have stick taps. Uh, and other fun stuff as it happens. Maybe there will be something to report from uh, the Florida meetings uh, from one Florida CJ. All right, let's get out of here. CJ, Julian, peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.